0: And I managed to get out, out after two weeks, five days. I found my phone, which I believe I was set up to find my phone. This woman had something called Munchausen by proxy. She was the one doing it, right? And the only reason I got out of there, I think she knew that I was about to die because if you've seen the videos, I was... Uh,
1: out of it, yeah.
0: I started drinking, uh, my first drink probably at eight, nine, ten. Some people just write to you from the other side of the world and I just touch it, you, you know what I mean? when you hear what they've been through
1: put it in perspective
0: yeah 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 and you realize maybe i've been through quite a bit you know what i mean i had to write down once everything that alcohol had taken from me and it was a lot and then I wrote friends and family and everything they had taken from them and it was identical so you're not on your own do you know what i mean there's people that are being affected by your addiction and if they lose you to that addiction as well that that destroys so much so everyone you just mean so much to somebody yeah just talk talk talk
1: hello and welcome to May contain the podcast breaking the sigma and the podcast is a safe space where the guests open up about their personal stories and struggles along the way in hopes that their stories will inspire you This week on the podcast, I'm joined by Eddie Steiner. And I've interviewed around 80 to 90 people now, but honestly, this podcast episode just left me completely speechless. Hearing about his experience with alcohol addiction, losing his dad at a young age, and being drugged and held captive and tortured. It's one of those episodes you need to hear for yourself. Even after doing this podcast episode, I was left reflecting afterwards on myself, and my kind of relationship with my dad, and start the conversation with my own dad about him losing his dad at such a young age. But I would have never been able to have that conversation if it wasn't for speaking with Eddie. Without giving too much away, let's jump into the podcast with Eddie Steiner. But just before we do, make sure to click that subscribe button. The more of you guys who click that subscribe button, the bigger guests I can get on and the more inspiring stories I can have on the podcast. So if you do get a spare second, please hit that subscribe button. And if you get a chance to write me a view, honestly, it means the world to me. Well, let's jump into the podcast with Eddie Steiner. Right, we're rocking, rolling. Eddie, thanks for coming on the podcast. How are you doing anyway?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I'm good today. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me over.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, it's amazing. Obviously, we've been sat downstairs and obviously, thanks for helping me <laughs> set up. It's been a bit of a stress trying to... Get it all set up, but um, thing, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Obviously, I've, I saw that you've not done many podcasts. You've only done kind of one before. Just the one, just the one. Yeah, and I mean, your story, like what you've been through, so inspiring. And obviously, what you do now to kind of help other people with addiction. And I mean, there's so much to kind of unpack. If you go back to your early days or the early years, mm-hmm. whereabouts? Whereabouts were you brought up?
0: So I was in. Um, I was raised
1: in I've, where I still live.
0: Um, I live in Buxton. Um, youngest of five. Um, yeah, yeah. You're saying you Happy house. Yeah. Happy house initially. Um, my dad was a double glazing salesman. My mum, I don't know what she did. <laughs> she was just at home a lot. Hmm. And I I was the youngest of five kids, one sister, three lot older brothers. Um, different time then. He was... Late seventies, but I'd say with the eighties, you know, because I was born in seventy-seven. Yeah, a yeah, different
1: time. Also, you brothers and sisters. Seeing like your sister was your rock. Have you always been like super close to your sister when you was growing up?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. My so my next eldest brother from me, I don't know, maybe ten years difference. I don't. I'm not. I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, Maybe not quite that. But my sister, there's a year and a half. Do you know, so like when, obviously when she was going her first day of school and then I'm getting all anxious about my first day of school, I'm she's like, like well, helping, yeah. what gate do we go in? What do we do? You know, how, how does it work and all that? So she's always been that. And then even just like walking down the road, you know, because she was always that good at spelling, I'd be like, right, how, how do you spell this? How do you spell that? And stuff like that. She was quite, she, she, she was quite... Right to me. And she was just like, yeah. she Always there for you. you yeah, yeah. She just, my rock and that's it. And even now, like I always say, I'd be dead without her. There's not a chance I wouldn't be dead without her.
1: I mean, the early years. Yeah. Kind of hearing about your story, you mentioned, obviously, your dad was in double glazing and money coming to the family. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. your family have money before that? No, no, no. Or was that the first time money... I thought it was interesting because you kind of you mentioned that he made a lot of money and you lived in this massive house. But I'm just thinking, before that, like, was money ever around when you was younger?
0: I don't think money was. I don't think money was an issue in them days with anybody really. Really, Um, I was so young and everything like that. But women didn't really work a lot, you know what I mean? And there was a lot of nobody locked the door. Everyone had a car. The husbands always worked, but husbands could husbands fellas fellas could walk out of one job into another, into another, into another. You know what I mean? It, it was them sort yeah. of days and stuff like that. There was always food. There was always this, so there was no issues of of not having any money. But I found out once we moved from because I think we paid like a thousand pound for the house then or something. Mm. It might have even been twenty. I don't know. But then our next house that we moved into was like.
1: Massive, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was like, oh, just grounds and, you know, we weren't millionaires or nothing, but I've seen awards where my dad won, like, got top salesman of the year, year, had to give to a gab, so 250,000 and and all this lot. And it was a time when double glazing had just come out, so I think it was like... Like
1: At the peak, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you remember much about your dad when you were younger?
0: I remember... You had to have a lot of respect for my dad. He was. Um, I remember, obviously, with Jehovah's Witness, we'd go to meetings. Meetings were long, they were five a week. And on a Sunday, an elder, which my dad was, would have to give an hour's speech before you go through the Watchtower magazine. I always look, looked forward to my dad's because my dad you could relate to, and he was a dead good artist, and he'd have pictures, and he's just. He could sell i suppose he was a good speaker and stuff like that through what he'd done so i always remember that sort of bit but him being at home nah because he was never at home he was always working and then
1: it was meetings was he was, it providing for the family yeah was, not, yeah
0: I, I think he was providing
1: them for the family i don't i have that. i have that with my own dad he always says he wished he was there for me more when i was younger but he was putting food on the table
0: I'm not sure whether yeah. he wished there he was down this young man. you got to figure he was, he was what? <laughs> he had five kids and he would have been late 30s and all that stuff and everything. Mm. So he was probably having such a good time at work, having a dos, going around loads of people's meeting loads of people. He wanted a double glazing. I was like, I had a story. Okay, so I used to personal personal training um, and it was one of my old teachers. And um, she said to me, she goes, do you know your dad saw me? My double grades, and she goes, he picked me up, and he drove me around Buxton. And goes, um, "Which door do you like?" And she goes, well, "I like that one." And he goes, "Right, well, I'll sort out one for you and stuff like that." Yeah. So I just think he was happy doing his own blokey thing. But I know as well, my dad, when my my eldest brother was born, was at the casino gambling, and my mum walked in in tears, saying, "I'm having a baby," and he was just drinking, yeah. being a teddy boy, and didn't really. I think blokes were different then. Yeah. You say was he was a boxer as well? So he was regiment champion boxer in the army. He, he was working at the post office or window clinic. He had loads of different jobs and I think he was a bit of a teddy boy. And then he, yeah. um, he just walked off a job and then he just joined the army one day. Yeah. Then he became regiment champion in the army at boxing. And so he turned pro for a bit. And from the stories I hear, professional boxers hit back and he didn't like being hit back <laughs> <Do> you know <laughs> you see you soon find out whether
1: yeah if you are be in this game or not yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah so 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 that was that but that was like I don't know I remember writing something when I was a kid about my dad dying and right at the bottom it, it just says that my mum always kept it in a purse it just says my dad was a boxer and I think that always stood with me. Even at a younger age, was you? Oh, so I was seven. Seven. It, yeah. Well, it was, it was seven days before I was eight years old that he passed away. Yeah, um, do you remember that day? Um, yeah, it was. It was. Hang on. Miles, back. It was. Um.
1: It was a weird day. So. What? What do you remember about that day when you? It was weird. Yeah. It was. I was kept off
0: school that day. My mum. My mum weren't coping well at the time anyway. We all knew we were going... I think everyone knew we were going to die. We didn't know we were going to die, but I remember we used to have to line the chairs up for him to make it to the bathroom because he was a strong, strong man. He didn't want any sort of help. And then... What the, happened to ca- cardboard him? bowls and being hmm. sick. I don't even know. Perhaps the story is that he was working on some construction. He was on like some 20-foot bridge. They put some slippery surface on it, then labelled it upright, he fell, landed on his feet. That jarred somewhere in his spine, which caused some kind of tennis ball, football ball, and um, the cancer, it turned into cancer, which was absolutely massive and out of control by the time they'd found it. So I've not even thought of what type of cancer, but he never smoked, he never done anything like that. Um, and then he just got cancered. He died when he was... 44 I think
1: Young as well, yeah.
0: yeah And a fit bloke So yeah yeah He was a fit bloke But that day I remember Yeah, we, we all knew it was happening We had family up A lot of Jehovah's Witnesses come to the house I don't know Because I think the nosy fuckers And they try trying to be part of the community I'm sorry for swearing And then Yeah he, he took one He took a short breath And then a long breath And that was it And then from that moment on I got much memories Other than Life changed big time.
1: I was going to ask, yeah, what when that happened, I mean, how did that affect the family as a whole? I know, obviously, then your mum, I imagine, would have took on a lot. And obviously, there's yeah. five of you as well. I mean...
0: I've got to respect that. I didn't respect that until more recent. Um So my mum would have been... I, don't, I, don't, I don't, I'm, I don't know what age my mum would have been. she would have been like late 30s or something like that, with five kids and a seven-year-old. And obviously I've been diagnosed with ADHD now and autism, all sorts of personality disorders and all this lot and everything. So I would have been a bit hard to control. And then she's got the older ones who helped her out and she was involved in this congregation, this Jehovah's Witnesses. They're meant to help your
1: community, but they never they never. Well, the community wasn't there, even the voice she right. She tasked not help.
0: Right, so so you could have two elders, which are priests, basically, and one could be one could be a postman and one could be a designer or a a bricky or anything, whatever, and they'll just come around, they'll counsel you, and they'll read you a couple of scriptures and say that's that, and then a couple of sisters might come around from the congregation, and help you clean the house, and that's that. But my mum never left her bedroom. Never left her bedroom. She just used to drink, drink, drink,
1: drink every day. Just blackout drunk. And then we go to meetings. Did you have to go up quite fast then? Would you say at that, that age, like if she's obviously drinking and he, he was looking after you? No,
0: no one was looking after us at no
1: all. Because um, my brothers were all there. They didn't do, they didn't do
0: nothing. It would have affected them as well, but they didn't do nothing. Um, like I remember, I I, used to, I I used to have to wear my sister's school shirts to school. Yeah, I remember some lads laughing at my shirts in P because it said like thirty six B on it, and I didn't realise it bought a different way. Like I said in my last podcast, I didn't own a pair of trousers till I was sent home from secondary school on the first day. Yeah. And I think my mum, because she could have afforded me trousers, we had money left over, she bought me cords. She'd buy me one jacket. She didn't really give a toss, you know what I mean? She didn't she did with my sister in some way. She was overstreet with her. She had to go to viola, violin lessons, clarinet lessons. She was a girl, she was this, that, and the other. It was all with me, I'd say my mum Bullied me. She did beat me. Um, sometimes. So I don't remember a lot about it all. she's than... still
1: around today? Mm. Did you ever did you ever get that opportunity to like speak to your mum about the way she treated you? No.
0: Nah.
1: Yeah, I don't know. So
0: I rebelled me a lot and stuff like that, and left the meetings and everything. Everyone else tried to be good for her and stuff like that, but I rebelled. A couple of, took a couple of overdoses and stuff like that. I, I don't
1: know, it was just—is that where the drugs and would you say that's where the like anger like stem from? Because I know, I know you spoke about before about you had this anger and you was like fighting. Do you think that could could have been the root?
0: I think it was my security. Yes. I think this is what I need to get to the point of. It was my security. So my brothers and sisters, my sister was, I had to be in at a certain time. I didn't necessarily. But I had to wait for all my brothers and sisters who were even a lot older, maybe getting married, to come home, even at two in the morning, yeah? And we had this big house. Now, I would be that scared of that this house that I would go round and check every door was locked in that house. Before and sleep, she it was like no one gives a shit no more, mm. and so I think it was my security, my protection. I, I, I just think that's the way it went. And the only time I did speak to my mum about it, which is crazy, and people may believe it or not, it's up to them. Um, yeah. she, uh, we got called on from work the day she was dying, so I was like twenty. Um. Knew she was going. She was in the front room. Sweet, and I accepted she was going to die. I didn't. Probably still am now.
1: And then, is that to protect you? You know, when someone's in denial, is that where you're scared of letting go? Because I'm yeah. sure.
0: Yeah. So, like I spoke to you a minute ago, and you said like, um, "Sorry for bringing this up." No, bring it up. Yeah. So you said you. Your dad lost his dad
1: at young age. Yeah, he's three years old. My dad lost his. Yeah.
0: yeah. You've never had that conversation.
1: Yeah, I was I was always scared of um getting shivers, like whew. sorry, like I just got Yeah. Getting shivers, like, wow. Getting choked. Yeah. Fuck. Not had that feeling. I don't know why I'm getting upset, like, but yeah, I just never spoke to him about it because I was scared of like him bringing up his emotions and um seeing my dad upset. So you I think, see your dad
0: in a certain way.
1: Yeah, I don't I've never really seen my dad that upset. The only time I seen him upset, we had to get the dog put down. We had a sharp A. You no, know, like the wrinkle dog. I
0: know Sharpe is and yeah.
1: um aggressive, like really aggressive. Bro, and, um it's like the alpha male of the house. Like he felt he had to protect the family from everyone. So he would attack attack everyone, this dog. And um one day we've had a few incidents and there's spending thousands trying to sort this dog out because the dog was just a- attacking everyone. Like, and um, the dog was on pills like, and depressant pills and oh, just trying to depress the dog from like, yeah, attacking everyone. Yeah. And it turned on my sister and it bit my sister on the arm and that was the last straw. I mean, um, parents, they've done everything for this dog and they couldn't sort it out so that we had to put the dog down and um, that's the only time I saw him cry. Like, yeah.
0: Because you're attached. Yeah. The thing is, it's, it's, so, so like, even with you getting choked on and stuff like that, that means it means something to you. Yeah, That means your dad's me- feelings mean something to you. And I think in the same way, my kids don't ask me and people don't ask me about my parents because they know I don't talk about it. I talk about the facts and this, that and the other, like the boxing yeah. and the windowsills, but I've never had that thing where, how does it make you feel? And I think once, once you talk to your dad about it, if you ask him that line, like, how does it make you feel? Yeah. That's an all different line to cross. Because that's not saying, are you okay? Did it affect you this, that and the other, that's like saying, how did it make you feel? And then you've got to think, how did it make me
1: feel? Because I know, and, I, I hope you don't mind me talking about it. I know like through my mum, because I'm really close with both the parents, but I'm especially close to my mum. And she says, like, he gets upset about it, but not around me and my sister. Like, but, So I know he gets upset about it. I know he he still grieves today, even though he's so young as well. Does like, he yeah. grieve so? Uh, this know. is what I
0: don't get. Because I don't think I've ever grieved for my mum or my dad. And I think this is the major, majority of problems. And I think your dad's obviously older than me. And blokes didn't talk then. They talk a lot more now, but still not as much. Women and more communication men have to put on that strong front. So they, they don't talk about it. They don't grieve. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel that as he, actually, as he actually grieved about it, or did he just move on with his life and move on with the changes? Like I had to, mm. because I had no chance of grieving my dad. No chance of grieving, because I was
1: involved in this religion. Well, because you had so much going on, like the Jehovah's Witness and...
0: Well, I had a double life. After, yeah. So I had to be at school where I'm knocking on kids' doors at school who try and bully me for being a Jehovah's Witness. And not all of them, like, you know what I mean, but some are giving you shit for it. And then I'm being taken out of school at Christmas. I have to sit outside an assembly, so I'm different, you know what I mean, and this, that, and the And I've lost the dad, and then... You have to come back from all these and put, what did you get for Christmas? What did you get for this? And even teachers back in my day will buy everyone a pencil sharpener, Christmas one and shit. Yeah. I wouldn't get one, nothing like that. I'd be singled out because of it and stuff like that. So when you, when you haven't got a dad and you've got that stuff taken away from you, and then you've got all these other elders telling you how you should be and how to behave, because you can't behave how you want to behave as a kid. You've got to behave how the Bible tells you to behave or how the Bible they... How they interpret the Bible for you to go. It got put
1: on in. you from quite a young age, then, didn't it? It like,
0: so was born into
1: it, yeah. Yeah. So you didn't know any other way, really? No, yeah.
0: no, no other way. If you'd have had a dad, I think it'd have been totally different.
1: Did you get bullied then for the religion? Is that yeah. is that where the whole fighting probably come from in terms of like protecting yourself? It in was, some, so much, in some ways? it was.
0: So much fighting. It was more. I put up a massive guard so I wouldn't let myself get in that. Situation like I'd, I'd, I'd go in, you know, when kids go in lunch in different years,
1: yeah,
0: I'd go in lunch with the younger kids because I didn't want because I knew I had nothing in common with the lads in my ear, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd struggle at break times of knowing where to go and what to do and what to do, so I'd fuck about at school and get in trouble and steal things and do this. And I got I was allowed home on Thursdays at dinner time because I got kicked out of woodwork because so I couldn't stop fucking about. So it wasn't the fact that I was starting fights and doing loads of trouble I was just like I was just like a rebel a rebel with and I didn't know what the fuck was going on is it, it like is
1: it when you've got all this like pent up energy like energy is it no because school isn't for everyone I mean I was pushed in the river on my yeah.
0: birthday on the way home from school right what for I was pushed in the fucking river right I would walk back to my granddad's where my mum and everyone, and all my family meet to drink alcohol before they go to the meetings. Did my mum give a shit? Give a shit about anything? I got sent home a letter asking if she could sew up my school uniform. My school uniform was blue, so she sewed it up in green and red thread.
1: Yeah.
0: I could have bought a new jumper. She was just pissed. She didn't give a, you know... I love my mum though, but this is what I want to get right is me and my mum were closer than anyone. I think my mum, she had a rough time as a kid. Yeah. Mm. My mum saw the same thing in me. We had the same blue eyes and we could be like, be as dangerous as each other. And in some ways, I think we had that closest connection that she, I don't know. She was a broken woman and the religion didn't help her. And I believe the religion killed her and the alcohol killed her. And they say cancer killed her, but I never killed her. It was the alcohol and the religion that killed her.
1: When when, you, when you said that goodbye then, did, did you ever forgive from the stuff? Oh, sorry, yeah. that's where we were at, yeah.
0: So I got sent home from work and yeah. loads of people were there that shouldn't have been there. I didn't want them there no I'm, I wish they weren't there now can't stand them but my family were there now we all got to spend five minutes in the front room with my mum laying in the bed dying I swear to god this is what happened yeah I got to go in the because I was the youngest one yeah the youngest one and I went in there and then I was chatting to my mum gone 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 I was chatting to her and I held her hand and she said sorry I swear to God, she said sorry. She couldn't speak, she couldn't do nothing. She said sorry. And I was like, wow. Wow. And another thing is, not a week about a week after, my sister got given a card, okay? That my mum had got another sister from the congregation to write for her. And my sister's card's beautiful. I'll see you in paradise, this, that, and the other, and everything. Then they sort of formulated a card for me, and my card will break your heart because it says, Eddie, deep down, I know you could be a good lad. You need to stop what you doing. and it's just like you it's w- calling me a dickhead, you know. It's, it's, but I know that's not the intent in it. But even my sister said, just burn that card, boy. It does break me up, but I can't burn it because. My mum wrote Eddie on the envelope when she was dying. And I love my mum. I wish she were back. But when she was drunk and she was nasty and she could become violent, she did not know what was going on. So one time she came in my room, she beat me all around her face and everything with a wooden shoe and everything. And then after I went into a room because I was scared she was going to come back. And she had no idea what had gone on. You you just no, no idea. Why are you apologising? What's happened?
1: Yeah, you know. When when was that moment for you where, like, the alcohol come into the situation? Um, Was was you quite quite young? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Teenagers.
0: We broke into our first warehouse. I don't know if it was there first. When I was maybe eight, just after my dad had died. And that was an alcohol warehouse and just getting pissed in there. Oh, wow. And I had to walk in my auntie's house and try not sober. So drinking was just normal back then. And especially in our family, it was so, so fucking normal. Like, we would just meet at my grand's like that and they'd have a bit. I wouldn't have a bit, but my other auntie, who wasn't a would took me loads of fags. Stick them in your bag, stick them in your bag. Oh, yeah. And then I'd, I'd, I'd meet mates and we'd have beers and beers and then we'd get down to... You know, we'd have parties and they'd just be drinking.
1: It, just it was quite normalised really, like everyone yeah, did it right drinking, in them days, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was just drinking and
1: yeah.
0: I remember everyone always taking me up to bed and trying to make me stick my fingers down my throat so I'd throw up and try and, you know, not in a nasty way, for saying it, yeah. you're, you're pretty fucked. Um, and yeah. then I'd lay next to me in bed while I'm throwing up and stuff, so... Yeah, drinking, drinking was thingy, and like I said, my mum because she was secretly hiding it after the meetings, she she'd have brandy and she'd have like special brew after the meetings, five meetings a week, remember? So she could get.
1: Can, can you drink if you're Jehovah's Witness? Yeah, yeah, you, you can. can yeah.
0: You, you can drink, but just, just just yeah. So the Bible says, "Um, in celebration, drink, be merry in it, and all that stuff." And it's a social thing, I believe. That's what it says in real the Bible much, but yeah yeah my mum's wasn't at that kind of drinking you don't drink special brew it's a nine percent lager you know what i mean mm. have you tried it no fuck
1: try the brew dog one brew dogs are pretty strong. Like, strong yeah they're like 12 cents some of them yeah yeah. Mad, I, like, yeah in them
0: days i think it was like special brew i think there was kestrel super as well or something like that. but she used to have these special brew she'd throw up quite a lot and everything and but she'd always have alcohol in the house She'd make a lot of trifles so that she could keep a lot of brandy in the house and stuff like that. Mm. We'd find it and whatever. But my mum, in the end, she used to... Because I'd be so persistent, I think because I'm ADHD, I'd be like, if you're on a drink, I want two scandy green, two Scandi green. So she'd buy me a couple of cans. What,
1: did you? When did you find out about the ADHD and everything? Like two you? of them just went, where
0: are your ADHD meds? And they went, you are clearly ADHD. And I went, how do you know? And they said... They went through a questionnaire and they said you are totally ADHD. You need to be put on for the thingy and then about a year later I was tried to be fast tracked through and then I was diagnosed with five minutes and put on yeah. medications. So I was diagnosed with ADHD maybe that was two thousand seventeen it Th- Did you know when you were younger
1: then? Do you have was there signs of it? Right. Four years. Yeah.
0: There would have been, but but there was no such thing as ADHD when I was a kid. Yeah.
1: What do the tablets do then? Just is it a, your tension? Is it? A- you dry your mouth. <laughs> well, yeah. they do?
0: So, so do you do it? So the tablets um, they use ritalin and methylphenidate and stuff like that, and there's different ones. But over it, it's mainly methylphenidate. Americans use different ones. Ritalin's a combination of different things. So methylphenidate is basically speed if, amphetamine, Yeah. Mm. So um, methylphenidate. Whereas if I give that to you, honestly, this place would be spotless, honestly, you'd be Yeah, clean everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas for me, they chill me out. Yeah. So say say I can't sleep at night. If I have like two barocas energy drinks, yeah, and then a double strong coffee, I'm flat out.
1: So Whereas absolute, somebody else yeah.
0: it does the opposite too. So stim- stimulants for me calm me down. Mm. But then you've got to keep track of how many stimulants you're having, you know. I
1: was going to ask a lot, like, you know when you spoke earlier obviously about the alcohol very much being part of your life when you was younger, when did it ever become a problem? Or when did you realise like, this is probably a problem now, I'm drinking way too much? I knew it was... I, I first knew
0: two times it was a problem when... My mate, I had one real, I had a few friends at the Jehovah's Witnesses, but they were all older than me. And, and I had a mate who used to buy his bottles of whiskey and he used to drink it just like for the sake of drinking it and showing off me adding, I had drunk it to get absolutely wasted. Mm. And also his family had gone away one time and they had loads of bottles of alcohol there. And he was fixing his BMX bike, and me, I was just going through his alcohol temperate water, and that's when I realised that.
1: How old were you then? Like nine, ten,
0: not old. Yeah, not old. Like I started drinking. I my first drink probably eight, nine, ten, eleven, and stuff. And then I drank a bit at school, like with the other lads, week because we had a local pub you could go to. Take take off your tie and you get in and things.
1: Yeah,
0: and my mates would be able to have a drink, but me, I'd always get, I'd always be absolutely fucking comatose. Yeah, always, always an absolute dick of myself and everything. And the only time I found that I wasn't a dick of myself is when I started taking speed bombs. You know, so if I'm banging in the speed bombs at the same time as drinking the alcohol, I can dance here. Yeah. I can start pulling a bit. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I've got a lot. Like I've got. Did other drugs me. come
1: into that that situation when you got into like your 19 nineteen? Like, is that when drugs? Yeah, and um, when 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 um I pretty much tried every drug. Um, you mentioned earlier just before we started the podcast, which I was shocked about, was um oxy, oxy, yeah. I mean, like obviously, cause I've been watching these documentaries on Netflix, and like yeah. people come hooked on it, and the slack... Is it the slacker family?
0: Is it just slacker family? Uh, yeah, literally,
1: so, like literally, just killing people because yeah. people are coming addicted to it. And usually, you do it like with a cancer patient, but they're giving it to people. You've just got a knee problem or a back problem. But
0: I can't be sure of this, but it might be the same as um Crystal meth. Do you, have you had the two percent club? No. So two percent of people, I believe this to be correct, or don't be able to bear. Two percent of people who who smoke crystal meth actually live They call them the two percent club and i think oxy's a similar it's up there because basically oxy it it will kill you and it is like i have had it in different ways i've taken the pills i've sucked the shell i've crushed it you say it's it's stronger than
1: heroin like
0: It, it's stronger than heroin, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely stronger than heroin, yeah. Because heroin is probably a mix of all sorts of shit you're putting in and everything like that, and even pills I used to used to have ecstasy used to have heroin in, you know. Yeah. And they were back in the day when you, they were mix and love hearts, So I've gone through all that sort of stuff: speed bombs and everything, cocaine, loads of cocaine. I've had. But um, oxycontin, yeah. It's it's so different for me. I had it a few times, but. It feels like heaven. You do feel heaven, but it's the itch. So even with Cody and I get an itch with Oromorph, with any, any opiate, yeah. I itch. So I, I, even if they ask me for an operation, I'm like, don't give me any opiates cause I itch. Do you know And the itch is absolutely but some Some crazy. people
1: experience that and then some people, some yeah.
0: people, some people who are on Oxy and take Oxy get used to the itch. Because of the other side to it, mm. you know what I mean? Like, I suppose it's the same as any drug. If you're drinking alcohol all the time, mm. you get used to feeling down. You'll get used to feeling like shit. you get used yeah. to feeling rough the next day, but you still won't fucking stop because it's an addiction.
1: Alcohol is just as bad as any of these A-class drugs, I Imagine like, But it's more ready to be available. I, 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 I read, so. I read um, just for his podcast... Um, the price of alcohol is 75% cheaper than it was in 1987. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the supermarkets and, and every, everyone's got access to it, yeah.
0: And this is the most disgusting thing I think they do with alcohol. So alcohol is so cheap and you can't go anywhere without seeing it. And even for me, as I walk out of here and I see it everywhere and it's like that and every day I've got to tell myself, yeah. Just don't drink for today. Some days are easy, some days are. But alcohol is one of the only two drugs that I know of that can kill you if you you basically stop like that. So if you're alcohol dependent and you stop, you can have a seizure, it can kill you. I've had seizures, bad seizures, you know. The other ones is benzos. What, so if you just stop? If you're dependent on alcohol, right, you are pretty. You're, you're highly dependent. You're pretty much guaranteed a seizure, and that is fucking risky. So they, it, when when you go to an alcohol advisor, they will bring you down by like five percent per week. They have to wean you to, and the same with diazepam and mm. any sort of benzos because they can kill you if you just stop. But heroin, if you're on heroin, yeah, you can overdose on heroin. But if you're on heroin, you just stop, can't kill you. You've got to yeah. go through fucking hell. Yeah. But it can't kill you. Cocaine can't kill you. Speed can't kill you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But drugs that you can dependent on can kill you. An alcohol would be higher than a class A now. They say. Because it's
1: so readily available.
0: And how many adverts? This is what annoys me Is right?
1: Like Christmas, especially. Yeah. Christmas.
0: Free crates of this for 20 quid. When people are having the hardest fucking time. And nights are dark and people are on their own
1: and it's fucking horrible. What was your experience then with like rehab? Like how many times you've been in rehab? Never. Never? Never. That was um, when I'd done that
0: podcast. They they, they wanted me to have been in rehab. If I'd have been in rehab, I'd be a lot further on than I am now. Yeah. Yeah. So I was offered rehab and I was offered it for, they offer it for like three months, six months. 12 weeks, whatever. Yeah. Because I was so extreme and costing the NHS so much money. They offered it me for pretty much a year.
1: What? In terms of costing the NHS, is that because you was like in and out of hospital? Yeah.
0: Ambulances and this, that and the other and police and just, yeah. Everything.
1: Yeah.
0: I was costing anything I could cost. Yeah. Like ambulances galore. And then they've got a, I don't because I'd have to always have security with me or police with me because I'm on a different planet then do you know Mm. and
1: how long have you been sober now is it over a year so
0: I reckon and I'm I'm trying to get this out it's the 20th today so in three days I think I'm 16 months
1: amazing that
0: i'm either 15 or 16 months i'd have to check on my last picture on facebook but yeah but i was three and a half years you know i was three and a half years but a lot of further ahead and that was done at christmas i gave up on christmas day you know do you know why i gave up on christmas day why because i knew all the shops would be shut. so i kept myself four cans knowing that's four knowing that i could have a seizure but knowing that no one would give me alcohol so I spread them cans out, scared to death in case I would have a seizure. And that's why I stopped on Christmas Day. Wow. And that was when I was three and a half years. And then
1: my new date is May 23rd. But your mental health and your headspace is different person now, Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And it's,
0: it's, I'm so much further than I was and I love it. I get, you know, I get a lot of people messaging me and asking stuff and, and I can advise them. And I can just say, listen, I do believe that you need a medical detox, so I'll pass it on to someone who's more qualified than me. Mm. Or I'll just say, why do I do this? Or I'll teach them tricks that I learned. Because I didn't do the 12-step program neither.
1: What advice would you give to someone who's like struggling with alcohol addiction and like how to overcome it?
0: The just, the, the, the biggest thing, I think, is that they'll, what they'll do is... The, they'll say, "Oh, I'm drinking less. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I've left a bottle of alcohol in the fridge for this amount of time." Fuck that. Yeah. What I'd say is, speak to speak to somebody. Speak to as many people as you can. If it means going to, if it means going to an A meeting, if it means going to your doctor, if it means your family, it, it just bear your fucking soul of how much you're hurting. Bear your soul and honestly, and there will be someone. There will be someone, even if it's me. Just, just message me. Some sort to you, do you know? And 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 I'll do anything, absolutely anything, if it means me. If say it means me going to, going to, going to London and sitting with someone for three days. Do you know what I mean? And just sorting them out because I know I know what it can do. I know when people are bad and they ring me up, and they're in a bad place. I don't want to be here no more. I don't. You, do you know? Scary. Yeah, and they're in no mindset. So, and and because because it's alcohol,
1: there's so much shame attached to it. You know, it's it, a bit it, of a stigma, would you say, with with alcohol? Yeah, with with more so guys, would you say, than women? Or same, mate?
0: I'd, I'd I'd say it's a lot more guys, yeah. I'd say women. I'd say women are a lot braver about talking about alcohol and stuff like that. I'd say men. Don't because they think it's an unblokey thing to do, and mm. the way I look at it, is it, I just always imagine an Australian bloke, do you know, as the sort of bloke who has you not know, fasts yeah. or whatever. But imagine that sort of person. Blokes don't do stuff, stuff like that, do you know. Yeah. But there is a stigma as in addiction's addiction, whatever the addiction is. And um, I'm gonna obviously I'm not gonna say cigarettes or stuff like that and everything because there's out there and that's that's gonna kill you. That yeah. probably kills more people than anyone. But I'm talking about these drugs that will fucking destroy your family, destroy your life, take everything away. I've read me.
1: only like, only eighteen percent of people actually get support for the alcohol addiction, which is shocking, isn't it? When I was doing the research, I was like, so not true? many people. Yeah,
0: you don't get support though. I didn't, I didn't get support. So for me, I'm what? I've been drinking such a long time. I've never been allowed no counselling. Never, never. And then only because the last time I got started drinking again and the amount of people in Buxton because I was upsetting everyone because I assaulted a couple of people and this, that and the other and I was causing havoc, rung the police and the police coming to me and eventually, I went to hospital three times, you know, and they just sent me home. And then the last time they kept me in because I was in such a bad way and security were watching me. So they kept me in for a month and then put me in that respite for basically no cases, which was I loved. I did love it. Mm-hmm. But that's the only time. And then my occupational therapist through my sister fighting her arse off and saying, He's going to die, he's going to die. My occupational therapist and my sister worked together and they got me and finally, on September the sixth, I start um, psych long term psychology, which is long term counselling. Yeah, because they've always said to me, ten sessions has never been enough. Because this is how they said it: it'd be like unleashing a. You monster. said earlier
1: that you're scared of unpacking, looking uh, in on yourself. Is that, on, yeah, that's scary. Yeah, what's that? so you know when we were talking what 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 is it you're scared of unpacking like so when we were talking before about About your childhood and from that
0: point where my dad died and i can only remember bits up until i'm about 13 14 years old see they say it's like this it's like taking it out getting your shirt off washing it ironing it folding it putting it somewhere Mm. and stuff like that and that's why it's got to be long-term therapy but You say it's going to be hard before it gets better, and I know I've got to do it, but I've never had to talk. So what do I talk about? And then, what if I start talking and things start opening up that that I wish I never knew?
1: So when you start opening up a a door and you don't know what's behind it, yeah.
0: Even with the torture, you know.
1: Can we talk about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Because I was. When I heard about it, I mean, I couldn't believe it. You know what I mean? And that, and this was someone who lived on the same street or nah. the same road. Sort of. so I was saying,
0: um, I was sat on my on Facebook one night, back in the days when you had Facebook on your laptop, yeah. not, not, not on not phone. your phone, yeah. And um, this woman come up, Barbie Michelle, who, who knows someone called Barbie? That's fucking weird. Anyway, she comes up and then she knows, she writes a long thing. She knows everything about me. She says, I remember you, you had a fight at the actual pub and you beat the shit out of somebody because someone had died. I think it was your brother or your mum. She goes, and your girlfriend was in Greece at the time. So she goes, so I, your mate's worried about you being arrested. So I walked you home and she goes, you were destroyed. So I stayed the night with you. She goes, nothing happened. Don't worry about that. Yeah. About this, that and the other, and I'm like, fuck that'd be true. I just know that yeah. Yeah, so and then I kept looking at her face and I says, I remember you living near me. Your name's Michelle. much going, Yeah, well I've had to change my name because I'm I'm a famous author now. I live in Turkey. I'm a psychologist, I'm a psychotherapist. <laughs> I'm gullible as fuck me, I'm taking all this shit And She goes, basically, I'm back in Buxton to look after my mum end of life. I don't know anyone she fancy meeting for a coffee. I will say nothing like that because she was an horrible, ugly, skinny, weird looking witch thing. But I like to reminisce me. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So I met her, I could tell she was weird, I could tell that she liked me. But she was a six stone woman. And I'm, yeah. I'm quite a big lad. And I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of, like, um, fighting as in I'm a trained fighter yeah. as well now so um, so I had nothing to worry about with that and I never thought about that and she used to come around some, and she got a flat in the end and she was going to see her mum and she was weird in her ways she was very weird in her ways and quite angry I she had that like a gut,
1: gut feeling like a yeah. little bit yeah before anything happened
0: but this is the weirdest part and I don't know if Hunter got this in but this will throw you So, let's imagine. So, basically, I was drinking for three months, okay, at one point. She was there all the time, right? That's when my sister rung up my brother and says, I cannot cope with Eddie. Them two weren't tight at the time. Cannot cope with Eddie, what's going on with him? Blah, blah, blah. So, my brother started coming down. My face, my body started looking worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So, he took me to hospital. They transferred me to Women's A team of doctors come see me said you've been seriously beaten over a number of weeks. She stayed with me in the hospital. She was always at my house. She said no he hasn't. I've been watching him. It's just him falling trying to get a drink. This, that and the other. So my brother comes back to pick us up. I don't want to stay in hospital. Yeah. I had no broken bones. Just old bruises and couldn't walk. She told my brother to get a bottle of vodka and she'd help me detox home. So I goes back home. But that's when my brother started coming around every day with Guinness and detoxed me in like five days, fucking brilliant. Three months, so all that happened, I recovered, and I had so many facial injuries. Then I went eleven months sober. Then I seen a psychiatrist who said I don't think there's anything wrong with you, Eddie, and we take change your medication. It changed my medication. Eleven months sober. It changed my medication to summer and and I didn't feel right. And I was telling everyone I don't feel right. And I did start drinking again. She'd gone on holiday and then all of a sudden she found out I was drinking again, I think. So she rung me or texted me saying, you're all right. I said, I'm drinking again. She goes, I'm coming out with detox. Yeah. So this is the second time. She came round to my house this time, Okay. And these are the bits where I started remembering. I remember her filming me, beating me with sticks. I remember her putting fags out of me. I don't know how my legs were done. I've heard they think we possibly done with blow torches now because they've done my feet and my things. Yeah. I've been stabbed a lot. I've beaten a lot. The twist of my spine, this, I know, I remember two people. And I managed to get out after two, five days. I found my phone, which I believe I was set up to find my phone because but anyhow this woman had something called Munchausen by proxy
1: yeah i've heard about that from um where is is it where they're trying to they want to help someone but they make them ill by because they want someone to care for her. is that what it is yeah they, they,
0: they've not had enough love as a kid themselves yeah. so they they're obsessed with that person so they have to keep them sort of poorly to keep looking after them yeah but she she do you know she poisoned her own son and gave him brain damage no Yeah, so she spent five years in prison for that. That's why she kept changing her name, you see. All right. Then she got done for... She got two and a half years for claiming she had terminal cancer and um, stealing £145,000 off charities and the government. Yeah. And then my case, went on for eight months and the police couldn't finally get her guilty because they waited over 30 days for the CCT footage of her emptying my bank. She'd emptied my bank.
1: Yeah. I'm so dry. Well, no, it's all right. Yeah, because she take take like four and a half grand or. 4,300 and something. Yes. But yeah, so
0: what she'd done is she'd done that. So she actually done it twice, you know. Mm. She came to see me the second day in hospital as well, yeah. And she was still taking money out of my bank and she brought a bottle of vodka. What? Did she go to, is she in prison now? No, she got. But no, she's in. I've from what I've seen, I can tell you, she is after you. Check out, she's setting up charities and she's working with celebrities in London, setting up cancer charities, and all this lot and everything. And she's such a fraudulent and she's a dangerous, dangerous woman. Yeah, a six-stone woman, yeah? yeah. And the stuff she was giving me was making me paralysed. You see,
1: you you mentioned you felt like you was a head on a stick. Yeah, right, was I'm so, right,
0: yeah. I'm, was, they couldn't move. One person came around twice when I was in that because she was using my phone pretending to be me, mm. so nobody come around. One girl came around twice and apparently all covered in shit and piss and everything, and she'd help her pull me up. She'd go in the kitchen, Michelle, Barbie, whatever you want to call her. She would make some kind of drink for me. Pour it in me, and then I just go back over, and she'd be like, and she'd be like, "Look at the fucking state of him. I'm sick of looking after him, and this, that, and the other."
1: And she was the one doing it. like Scary man, isn't it? Like,
0: yeah. And the only reason I got out of there, I think she knew that I was about to die, because we've seen the videos. I was
1: out uh, of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I found my phone, and I'm just hitting buttons, 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 and I got hold of an old boss, Andy Bagshaw. 6.14 in the morning, and Sunday morning, and he just said, "I just said ambulance." Yeah. And he said it took it took in fifteen minutes to talk the ambulance into coming to my house, and they found me naked and just burnt and thingy. And she went to my house. Run, my sister goes, "Where's Eddie? I've been looking after him." Then after that, do you know what happened after that? Before they sent SoCo team around to my house, secure, she bleached the fucking house.
1: It was spotlight, yeah.
0: And she washed the pillow, she suffocated, muted. Yeah, she was, yeah.
1: I mean, I can't imagine, obviously, I like, eat- what you went through and then fucking memories and like traumas and stuff exactly
0: I mean, so it's all like coming up again yeah. isn't
1: it I, what I turned it on like how's it being a dad now to your two little girls like
0: <laughs> God. the girls aren't they They're right so the eldest is brilliant she's got a dead good job she's dead confident I've needed it she's done tons for me tons of helping um, she sometimes leaves me sometimes because she's so O.C. I'm, I'm clean I'm Sometimes, cause she's so OCD, she needs to go away, reset, you yeah. know. Um, so and then come back and stuff like that. But she's got two houses; she's got their and and mum's. Um, my seventeen-year-old's totally different. She's uh, she's doing criminology, um, at like a college uni. I Must be stuff. really proud of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's different. She's so much more like me. She's quite quiet. She's quite her own face and they're just they're just brilliant girls and I mean Hila didn't speak to me for a year you know until recent and, and it's like I feel so lucky because I've let them down so many times you know I missed both the proms I was in hospital on both the proms you know um, so yeah I'm just I'm just so to me, because I've not really been a dad to him, I just try and be the mate. Hmm. And I'd say they're the bosses, if oh, anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're the bosses. And they're sometimes I like, they like...
1: Do they know everything you've been through as well? Like, I imagine, obviously, when they was growing up and stuff, like... They know. Yeah. Yeah, they know. The they must be proud of you now, obviously, like over sixty months. Everyone's problem. So, yeah.
0: This is the thing. You don't realise it. And I'll go and sit in a pub, which isn't often.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: not because of the environment, just because. And I'll get someone, I'll get people saying, is that you? And they'll come over and they'll sit on me and they'll go, oh, I'm so proud of you. I've heard this and I've heard that. And it becomes a bit cringe, you know, when someone's sort of telling you how good you are and they're sat yeah. next to you.
1: It's weird when they, when they, they've, seeing some of you or a video or some cause you, you don't realize sometimes you put stuff out there in the world and when you get it back and people are oh, fucking, you help me get through this. Yeah. It's very fulfilling that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, I get a lot, I, I get a lot of that, but I get a lot, of, what I get a lot of more is like, if you think you've had an hard life, you should hear Eddie saying this. i get yeah. getting that a lot more. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not a competition, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I say, listen, me and you could be in a car crash. It could really mess you up. Whereas I could be fine or the other way around. You know what I mean? Hmm. That's part of PTSD. You know, which I've got yeah, like yeah. as well and stuff like that, isn't it?
1: What gets you through now? Like, What is it your, your mission or helping people? Right?
0: I, that's, that's what I want to do. I've got... Um, Recently I was in hospital for my spine, you know, because of what they have done. The yeah. doctor rushed me into hospital. There was no pressure on my spine, but my back was bad for a bit. But I've been I've been sort of passed on to an IPA which is an individual um individual placement advisor, which puts you in work and the work you want to be in. Do you know? I've done a lot of courses as well, so I know what I'm talking about. And I know what I what I do. So it's just about deciding which avenue to go down. But I'm on Facebook to help anyone. I'm on, you know, my, my insta's Eddie's recovery. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm on there to help anyone. Do you know, I'm just. Um, cause some people. Some people just write to you from the other side of the world, and it just touches you. You know what I mean? And when you hear what they've been through, it's
1: like. Put it in perspective, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you realise maybe like, I've yeah. been
0: through quite a bit, you know what yeah, I mean? You've been f-
1: don't know that anyone stuff. who's been through like the stuff you've been through or like spoke about on this podcast. Yeah. I
0: mean, well, that's it. And I
1: just do what I do. And
0: yeah. the thing with me is I need routine. Yeah. And routine's that important. And when that throws me out, that's what gets me down routine. And I can start losing myself for routine. So if I've got a good routine... I'm really focused, really confident, really everything. And I think that's part of taking my meds and everything. Because sometimes I think, do I really need it? Do I really need it? And I don't take it for a bit.
1: You show me how many tablets, it's so many, in it? I was quite shocked. It's like shocked. How many tablets was in that tray? Like eight, seven, eight? I don't know. What I'm on. I'd reckon in the morning I'm on. But they keep you on the straight and narrow?
0: Yeah, so a lot of them are some of them are painkillers for my spine because of the spine was twisted t- too far. But I have strong antidepressants. I have two type of antidepressants. Um strong ones. I have um ADHD tablets. Through the drinking, I've got um Barrett's esophagus or Barrett's Barrett Barrett's arthritis or something that's mm. called esophagitis. Which is bad, which is kind of tightening. So I have tablets for that. I've got a permanent acid reflux because I used to vomit blood every time I drunk. Yeah, because it's caused some damage. Um, and then I just take general vitamin B's and stuff that they give me just to help my liver. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, my doctor will say to me, "He goes, honestly, Eddie, for an alcoholic, you know, you look a fit man." Like that, and I'm like, "Thank you very much." He mm. goes, "Don't ever think you're a fit man." No. <laughs> I'm like all right you've got ginger hair <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> you know what I mean oh. no. honestly Eddie it's been inspiring honestly having you on Thank the podcast you. and honestly I really appreciate you coming all the way down from Buxton to come to Manchester to kind of record this with me and um, I know it's going to help so many people and I'll do as much as I can to kind of get the awareness out of your story and yeah
0: yeah all, all, all I want to say is one one thing I just want to add on do you know Yeah. You, you were mentioning before that what would you you know how would you advise somebody do you know what I mean
1: yeah and
0: I'd say just just get some balls just get some balls and fight for yourself because no no fucker else will fight for you Mm. and once you start fighting for yourself people will come people will come just 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 initially take that first step yourself and even if you get knocked back just message me. Just message whoever. Message everyone. Just remember, you're one person. There'll only ever be one, and you're worth fighting for. You're worth fighting for because the thing is, yeah. When, when when I had to write down once everything that alcohol had taken from me, and it was a lot. And then I wrote friends and family and everything they had taken from them, and it was identical. Mm. So you're not
1: on your own. Do you know yeah. what I mean? There's people and out there who can help you. There's people the that are yeah. being
0: affected by your addiction. And if they lose you to that addiction as well, that, that destroys so much. So you, everyone, you just mean so much to somebody. Yeah. Just talk, talk, talk. Don't be scared of stigma. Just think I'm special. If I could stop drinking, how special am I? mm if I can do this, I can inspire people.
1: What you've been through and sharing your story, like you know what I mean, you're gonna inspire the next person, hopefully listening to this or watching this, like they can take that next step as well. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Amazing. If anyone wants to follow your kind of your journey, Eddie, kind of have you got your Facebook or Instagram handle? I a, can't, I've got I, I yeah, can share. I ain't got no yeah. YouTube
0: or nothing yeah. yet. I've got um Eddie's recovery. Yeah. His um Insta and uh, just Eddie Stainer.
1: Yeah. On Facebook. Amazing. Honestly, like pleasure. Make sure to kind of check out Eddie's story. And yeah, if you guys can subscribe to the podcast and make sure to follow Eddie, I appreciate it. Cheers, Eddie. Thank you. Thank you. Dad. Yeah.